This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, man, I'm actually in the car with the wifey. We're headed to meet her uh, father for dinner, so I can't stick around long, my friend. Hey, do your thing, man. Um, Y'all can chill. No problem. Yeah, man. This was a tough one. I I took this one pretty hard. I thought they had a legitimate chance today, and this kind of happened, and, you know, I'm just going to be a little bit sad for the rest of the day, I think, but... The illusion of hope is now dashed at this point, right? I think we've gotten to the point where it's clearly over. Um, And now it's just about picking up some of the pieces and finding some silver linings going forward. I mean, Gabe Brown finally got it going a little bit today. Uh, Happy that, you know, that happened. Some extended run from Hogard and Maddie Sissoko in the second half. I mean, it's clear that he needs to play the rotation as if he's playing for next season at this point. Whether he does it or not, I think that's a completely different story, but... That's what has to happen at this point. True, true. Um, true. I mean, they're, you know, the, uh, you know, kind of at the point where um, this game was, like, really, really weird. This game was a weird game. Um, you know, you go up 4-0 to, to a start the game. Really good energy. And it seemed like Iowa wasn't really ready to play right away. And I think that's when you have to kind of take a, take a team so early. Uh, I think they missed out on an opportunity to, you know, possibly go up 12, 13 points within the first several minutes. Um, but defensively, I mean. Travesty the first half. I mean, it Yeah, was- it was not good. I mean, Iowa had. I didn't understand the game plan. Why don't we just start with that? Like, what was the game plan? We're going to hard double Garza? And then that was all bad. That was all bad. I, I mean, think the game plan was going from the first two, three minutes of the game, and then it was over. They had thirty-one points in the first in the first ten minutes. Um, and That's I insane. think the the biggest issue. I mean, they 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 gambled, um, but they made they made uh, coach's son hit shots. And that's not really what he's accustomed to doing. But since C.J. Frederick has been out, um, McCaffrey has been shooting the ball a lot more. Um, yeah. And then now with Fred- Frederick out for a few games, I think I think McCaffrey's a little bit more comfortable being in that role uh, of being more of a uh, of a shooter and not being as passive. You know what I mean? Um, got to take you know, those shots just to open it up still for everyone. If, if he's willing to hit it and he hits one of every three, then at least he keeps the defense honest, right? So and he, he, didn't he miss. hits a couple early. I mean, six I for mean, eight, four for six from three. Yeah. 
the defensive rebounding for this team is just absolutely atrocious. This is easily the worst defensive rebounding team that he's ever had, I think. I, I, I don't know what the numbers say, if they support that or not, but, I mean, it's just awful. The, the center spot just has been a travesty all year long. They and were I, a minus nine today from the rebounding standpoint, 26 def- defensive rebounds. But that also goes towards they didn't um, – Iowa didn't miss that much to rebound to begin with. Right. You know what I mean? So it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand a little bit. Um, uh, Iowa had eight missed free throws, and they missed uh, 33 shots. So, I mean, there's there were some, op- some opportunities out there, but um, it was pretty weird. It was pretty weird. Now, I am not going to go on a foster lawyer bashing session here. Um, I don't know what they're doing with him. Um, you have Lawyer playing more than Hauser in the first half, I saw. Um, on top of that, if he's not, if he's not making two threes per game, he shouldn't be on the floor. You can't play Wait, him. He's six of his last 34 shots. He's six of his last 34. And the problem is he doesn't he can't create the space to take the shot anyways. So unless that look is wide open, the ability to close out on him because of his height just basically makes him useless on the offensive side. They're playing four on five. And I know he moves the ball better and there's a little bit better offensive flow. Like mm-hmm. I, I've seen that argument and Whatever, you can say that that's true. But at this point, aren't you needing to get Hogard right for next season? Like I, like we've talked about, you know, Aikens is clearly going to have to play 20 minutes next year. I just don't see any other way around it. But you still need another probably 20 minutes out of that point guard spot. So Hart, Hogard's got to develop into that role. Like, are we starting next season? If lawyers on the roster, is he our starting point guard? Is that really what's about to happen? Is it, if that is, then next year is going to be just the same as this year. I don't care that you're adding all these offensive weapons. Like, uh, I don't know. I guess I'm starting to get a little bit concerned. I think that there's mass attrition. Obviously, Watts not coming out of halftime. I don't know if he had the flu and it was a similar Thomas Kithier situation where they're worried, you know, maybe he has COVID or something, so they had to pull him just for safety reasons. But right. um, I, I, I think at this point it's pretty safe to think that he's not coming back next year. And Bingham plays solid for the first minute and a half in the second half on Garza, gets several stops on him, and then is subbed out. And we don't see him again until like six minutes left. Like, yeah. where's the incentive for Bingham to stay around either? And like, right. Bingham is the one guy I think at all costs you need to figure out and get right because he's somebody who could be the leading shot blocker next year in the conference. Like, he, he could play 20, 25 minutes and be a leading shot blocker. I really think that. So, like, if you're not going to try to get him right, then why would he stick around? And so if you lose those two guys and you probably lose maybe another guy somewhere along the way, like that, I think at this point they have to hit the transfer market hard. They got to probably go get a point guard, you know, somebody that's going to be a little bit older that can steady the ship there as the younger guys come up. And I think at this point too, you probably got to go get a center because I don't think there's one on the roster that you can trust for next season. I mean, Maddie's still so, so raw and Marble is a terrible post defender. And if Bingham's gone, then you have the one guy that maybe I'd feel comfortable playing 20 minutes a game. So we're right back in the same situation we are uh, 
you know, as we are this season is next season, unless you get those. And those you probably won't out. have Henry to bail you out. That's the problem. I mean, Henry would be close. perfect for this roster next season. I, I, you look at with Christie around him and Aikens um, and, you know, Pierre Brooks, some guys that can hit some shots, some guys that can open things up. Like he would be a perfect, you know, secondary third guy on a roster like that. But with him leaving, like massive gap at the wing. Are we going to now have to play Gabe Brown 30 minutes a night? Like he hasn't really played consistently. So I, I just think, you know, even with the influx of talent next year, there's got to be some some holes plugged on this team or we're going to be having some of the same conversations that we're having right now into next season despite the talent insertion. It was actually pretty good to see Gabe play uh, well against the team with the pulse for once, though. I um, agree with you there. I thought he handled the ball. About he that was before. a little bit more aggressive off the bounce tonight. You know, he's not yeah. a guy that's ever really felt comfortable taking more than a dribble or two into a shot. And I thought mm-hmm. there was a couple of times where he attacked, he backed it out, made the right decision. Um, I mean, he's got to get going. He's To me, Bingham and Brown and Hogard are probably the three guys that you need to find a way to get going in the right direction for next season. Um, I think Hall is just going to be steady and solid. He needs to spend the whole offseason working on his jumper. Being able to hit that little mid-ranger, his is a little bit broken. Same thing with Hogarth. He needs to spend all offseason on the offensive side of the game. But you know what you're getting from those guys defensively, and I'm not sure, you know, at this point, Hall steadies the presence, but I, I don't know if he's going to get his offensive game figured out. So play him as much as you want one way or the other. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think you know what you're getting out of him kind of. So you need to play the guys that you're trying to build into something for next season. And we saw some flashes again with Hauser. I know he wasn't particularly efficient, uh, but he had some moves today, getting to the basket, scoring. I, I know you're still extremely optimistic on him. Defensively, he's just kind of a, a mess. But otherwise, speaking on the offensive end, he is a guy that can get buckets. And I wonder what it looks like with a couple more guys like that around him next year. Yeah, right now he's surrounded by um, a lot of inconsistencies and um He's someone who is going to need uh, who who he needs good players around him for him to kind of do his to like do his thing. Um, so Michigan State has won four of their last twelve, and now you go to Purdue, which was a game that Michigan State was up by what seventeen in the second half at home. Um, they're a top 25 team. They've been playing very, very well. Um, lost a very close one at the barn, which has been a tough place for anyone to play. And they went there and, um, you know, had Minnesota down to the wire late. Uh, then you go to an Indiana team that was, that has won three in a row. I'm not sure if it's an Archie versus Izzo thing where it's, just the matchups are very favorable for Indiana, but you know they've they've won three in a row now, and these were against yeah. Michigan State teams who won Big Ten Big Big Ten champ, championships, not you know five hundred Michigan State that we're kind of seeing now. I think that's um, a bad matchup for them. They're pretty physical inside with Race Thompson and Trace. Like that's a bad matchup for them. I think they're going to get beat up on the glass. I don't like that one at all. Um, I, I don't think there's any hope at this point. I guess I, I think the illusion of 
the possibility of this team going on a run to close the season, like finish pretty firmly. It was the worst home loss in Tom Izzo's 26 years today in a backs against the wall must win situation. I mean, if that tells you anything, you know, if you look at the first half and Henry wasn't defending well, I agree with that. Izzo pulls him, but he pulls him for six minutes. I mean, you're cutting off your nose at that point, despite your face. Like, what is the point? What What's the point of that? Like, at a certain point in time, is a long time, quick conversation and immediate reinsertion. Like, are you going to play hard on defense or not? Because if you're not, I'm going to sit your ass and then get him right back in the game. That should have been that point. Like, he's Six just been so stubborn long, all season long. Long time. Um, That's 30% of the half. You can't do that with your undoubtedly best your best player. The like, one mismatch on the floor. Right. Right. That was weird. I mean, um, do you but, think that this is the worst – rotational wise and just how the staff is generally handled this year. And I get all the, you know, extenuating circumstances of the season, but everyone's going through kind of the same thing. Do you think that this is one of the worst seasons he's had at the helm? I mean, it's pretty hard. Well, to argue they've, he waited too long to, uh, to make changes to the, to make changes to the big man spot. Yeah. Like, he, he just waited way too long. If you made changes a lot earlier, you know, maybe you have a better grip on things, and now you're not in panic mode uh, trying to find the right guys in the right rotation. And on top of that, I just think that they played too many guys early on as well, too. I get it. It's a COVID year, a little bit different. But when it comes to winning, which Izzo loves to do, and he'll do anything to win a game, um, you know, he – you know, him and his staff did not lock down their top eight or nine players. And playing ele- like 10, 11 guys consistently, there's 40 minutes in a game. Like, you just can't do that um, because nobody gets a rhythm. Your your best players aren't getting a rhythm. Your glue guys aren't getting a rhythm. They're not understanding their role. They're going into games thinking, am I going to play 12 minutes or am I going to play three? I don't know. Your better players are like, okay, am I going to play 35 minutes or am I going to play 18 if I if I mess up too bad? And that's not the right way to, like, go into games. Yeah. I mean, it's been tough. It's been a tough all-around year for this squad. And, you know, I think this was just kind of the culmination of – probably closer to what this team actually was tonight you know so got some false hope with the PSU win and you know I really thought they were going to play well tonight like you said they got off to a decent start you know they weren't able to secure that defensive rebound and Bingham ends up following Garza for the and one and then the game just basically flipped after a pretty decent start offensively Um, they didn't go back to Henry which drove me absolutely insane he scored like a quick easy two and then there was like five or six possessions in a row where Langford was just hoisting long twos and Henry didn't even touch the ball. You're like, I just I haven't gotten much of the plan every single game. Uh, like, you have one guy on the floor you can probably consistently rely on. Like, Henry needs to take 20 shots every single game at this point. You don't have anybody yeah. else. Play through him on the block. Play through him on the elbow. Run him in little uh, sets where he's coming downhill and getting the ball on the move going towards the basket. You know, I just think that they, they've done a poor job and the roster construction was clearly flawed this season, which again goes to the staff not getting a point guard, not really knowing what you had in the center spot and then 
playing these guys, all these crazy rotations for it, not solidifying that spot. But now we've gotten to the point where, you know, the season's basically over and he's got to make a decision on what he wants to do for the rest of the way. And I think it's got to be looking at getting those guys that matter for the rotation next year right. And you right. Know, Brown's a big part of that for me. I mean, Gay Brown's a huge, huge guy. You got to get going right. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, Kyle Turner as who are the most likely transfers. Um, here's what I'll say to that. You know, you know, you see a couple of them on there that, you know, you think aren't going to be back the following year. Here's what I would say, you know, make your own little depth chart of each position. And then from there, if something doesn't make sense, when one of those guys is gone, it works every single time. If something doesn't make sense. There's a lot of optimism by the fan base that like Lawyer and Kithier are on their way out. No. I don't really hold that optimism. I'll be very clear. I think they are not. They're coming back for sure. I think so too. I think people are just like, oh, they're clearly gone. There's no room for them. There's no role for them. Why would they leave when they get the longest leash on the team? That's what I'm saying. Why would Lawyer leave? He's he's a captain. He's starting. He's playing 20 minutes a game. Where's the incentive for him to leave? I, I don't see it. Like, you have, like, six. You made six of your last 34, five, nine. You get attacked relentlessly on the defensive end, and you can still start and play half the game, at least. Like, why would you leave? Yeah, I don't I don't think so. And I, I think that's a point, a good point that you bring up to a certain degree. It's not just how he's handled the rotations. It's that guys are getting yanked for making, you know, usually it's been offensive decisions this year. Um, but guys are getting yanked for taking a bad shot. But Lawyer and Langford are the two biggest culprits on not hitting shots and not taking good shots. Like, Langford's long two. I'd have to look, though. I'd have to chart it the last four or five games. He can't hit a fucking long two, and he takes, like, <laughs> seven a game. So that's not a good shot, but you're giving this guy 30 minutes. You're giving him the, the wide-open leash. He's getting burned defensively. Both of them are. Nobody can hit a fucking shot, and yet those guys aren't getting pulled for those mistakes, but guys like Brown are, guys like Watts are, guys like Bingham are. Like, that's got to be so frustrating for a rotation to see that. Not every player is created equal. That's the way that the rotation works. And I understand you want to hold your guys accountable, the ones that you think can take you to another level. And I get there's a certain extent of that's the way he coaches. But at what point in time do you need to take those guys aside and say, that's not a good shot, Josh. You haven't hit the long two well your whole career. You're shooting 32% from that this season. It's not a good shot. Stop shooting it. Like, I I just – There's going to be dissension on the team. If uh, if that continues to especially spill over into next year, um, because next year guys are going to talk They're like, hey, look, they let this dude have a leash. I don't know why he doesn't have let me have this leash. New guys coming in are going to come in with that mindset, too. And you can't do that. So, I mean, my year when we were picked like you know, we were like preseason, like top 15 or something. And there was a lot of dissension within the locker room. I'm not going to name names, but, you know, some, you know, you know, some dude takes a 25 foot three pointer, clanks it off the backside of the backboard 
and Beeline blames someone else for it because he doesn't get enough touches to begin with. And that splits a locker room immediately, like immediately. So, like, that's not good. If you see different leashes, these guys, when they go home, they're not going home and talking to their girls. They're talking to their inner circle. Their inner circle is hitting them up, whether via text or via phone call. And they're like, hey, what's up with this? What's going on with this? You know, why is coach doing this? Yeah. What's going on here? And then they're going to put their ideas into these kids' heads. And then it, then it just it, – it becomes something that you can't control. And then that's when you start to see you losing kids, you lose the locker room, guys start to leave and transfer out and all that stuff. And then now you pretty much have to I'm, – I'm not going to say rebuild the program – but you're not going to have those upperclassmen who have been there anymore. You know what I mean? Like, guys coming in the last three, four years, you're coming in with Cassius and Xavier. And who is the Cassius and Xavier for next year? Who is that? There's no leader. Like, who's going to be to look up to? I think Henry has, to some degree, led this team. And I know it hasn't exactly worked out. It's a little foreign to him. That's not how he feels most comfortable being in that lead role. He's a more secondary, tertiary type guy. I think that he has done the best job that he can do leading this team. But like you said, he's gone, right? I think you know it's pretty clear to me that he's still a pro. I think that the way that yeah. he's played recently particularly, like he came out of that timeout and that thunder dunk that he had coming out of it, like, fuck you, coach. Like, yeah. Tell me I didn't play any defense, come through the lane and just – like, he's a pro to me. He's gone. So, There's nothing he can do next year that is going to be any different than what he's doing now. So there's really no point. There's no point. He's gone to me. And I, I think that he sees that. I, I think the aspiration was to go this year, and I think it actually did pay dividends for him. I think that he has grown as a player. If there's one silver line in this season, I think that he has matured. Uh, both on the court and just off it. Uh, to me, he's looked like a guy that's kind of put it all together and ha- could have a very long career in the NBA. I think that that's a strong possibility still. Um, but like you said, so he's gone now. Who are these guys coming into the program that they're going to lean on for a leadership role? Like now you're going to be left with Lawyer and Kithier and Gabe Brown, who's you know struggled with his own con- consistency, not being able to get on the floor a lot of times. There's nobody here. The leadership's going to have to come from you know, the underclassmen, it really will. Maybe Malik Hall has a little bit of that. I think A.J. Hogard could lead a team, but he's got to get his offense figured out. He's got to get, you know, his game figured out a little bit. And I think that you're going to honestly have to rely on a guy like Pierre Brooks, like a very, very mature player like Max Christie. Like those are going to be not only your best players in the rotation next year and your best scores, those are the guys that are going to have to lead the team. And how often have we seen a team from Izzo that's led from the underclassmen. I mean, it's basically non-existent. So again, we, we're getting to the point where, yes, there's hope for this roster next season, but to just automatically assume that things are going to go well because of the influx of talent, I think that that's a mistake, and I'm taking a little bit more of a cautionary approach about how it's going to you know, land this next season. I really do. Most definitely, man. Um, real quick shout-out for you guys who are like new to Locker Room 
or your or your you know you've been on here only a, a couple times. Um, Howard, who's listening in, he is a Michigan State guy. Uh, he's the creator of this app. So super dope app. Um, it was made by a Michigan State State dude. So um, check out his profile. Uh, he has his Twitter linked up to it. Um, this app is con- continuing to like grow and do really good things. So uh, go ahead and check him out. And also Brie Lewerke is in here. I see as well too. She she uh, I believe she just got hired on as the social media content lead. I want to say for locker room. So that's also super super dope. Brie, I I thought you were like Brian Lewerke's sister or like wife. Like <laughs> Brie, what's up? What's up? Uh, I get that all the time. We're actually distant cousins, um, and my dad's name is Brian, so that doesn't make it any better. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Ann, I got a jet, but I just want to say uh, to Howard and Brie both, I absolutely love the Locker Room app. I think it's one of the coolest things out there. Um, I've seen Robbie Hummel hop in some rooms. There's some ex-players that doing it, and I think that it's going to grow bit by bit by bit. But it's just such a cool app to allow fans to interact with some people who are in the media, who are former players and stuff. I mean, some of the best rooms are with uh, Ant and Shell and some of the guys who have played. Um, and you're just getting that perspective where you can't get anywhere else. So thank you so much. And thanks for the invite, Ant. I will catch you on the flip side, my man. Uh, good luck to your team tomorrow. Drive soon. Drive safe. I said drive soon. Drive safe. Bree, what's up? So you are distant cousins to Brian Lewerke. Like it's like it's it's like not a last name like Smith or like Brown or anything. Like Lewerke is kind of is kind of uh it's kind of unique. So I always wonder. Yeah, uh first of all, great pronunciation on the last name. Nobody ever gets that right, literally. So you clearly watch a lot of Michigan State football or are just a good guesser because it's it's all over the place when people try to pronounce it. Um but yes, there are not very many Lewerkies in the world, and so I am related to most of the ones that exist, I would say. And I didn't really know about my connection to Brian until he joined Michigan State and then we kind of like figured out the family tree back there and now we're just like Twitter follower friends cousins but <laughs> otherwise I didn't really know about him because I'm from Iowa so that's hilarious so yep. one of the main reasons well like, yeah I do watch a lot of the Big Ten football and all that stuff but uh, my wife is a Michigan State grad and whenever Lewerke had like a good play or like made a good throw, she would literally go <laughs> all game long, literally all game long. And is it's ridiculous. So like, so every time I see Lewerke, I just think about her just having her little tone chant thing for Lewerke every time he did something positive. I love that. I hope that you start doing that for me when I do positive takes on the locker room app. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Most definitely. Most definitely. Thanks, Bree. Um, all right. So let's get into uh, Michigan, Wisconsin uh, right quick. So as you guys know, Michigan kind of blew out Wisconsin last game. And um, I'm really interested to see, which is, you know, you've heard this nationally. You've heard this nationally with all the pundits. They're like, they don't know which Michigan team is going to show up and they don't know like, like how much they're going to struggle and, 
and all that stuff. Um, it's as long as they're not who they were in their first few games, I am totally fine with that. Uh, I think, I think defensively is where they'll be able to really keep games close and win games ugly. I think winning ugly in their first couple games is going to be um, the most important thing because defense, you don't need like, like you don't need a whole bunch of reps to be good defensively um, because all that is natural and there's no real finesse to it or anything like that. But when it comes like rotations, when to help, when not to help, calling out screens, these are things that these guys have been doing forever. But handling a basketball, feeling the dimples on the basketball, feeling the ridges and uh, flicking the ball from one person to another, being able to, to do that timely, having the right pivots, um, being able to move the ball and catch the ball and shoot it with the correct depth perception, um, understanding bounces off the rim. You know, those are things that may be a bit rusty. And offensively, they may not be there. But understand that Michigan is one of the – I think they're the only or there's only like one other team who's uh, top 10 in both offense and defense. And I think defensively is where um, they should be able to – I'm not going to say beat Wisconsin, but keep the game uh, keep the game in reach. Uh, if I go back and see Wisconsin's Wisconsin's schedule, I don't think they 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 haven't played in they haven't played in a few days, have they? Let me go check. So they just played at Nebraska. What's today? Today's the 13th, right? They played at Nebraska on when when was that game well like three days ago yeah so like they've they've had time to they've had time to scout they've had time to think about this game this isn't a situation where they had a makeup game yesterday and they got a rush into today they've they're gonna have three to four days to scout michigan and and you'll be on there you know you know be on there you know you know, cross your T's and dot your I's and all that fun stuff. Um, it's going to be – I'm just wondering if – because I believe they played Micah Potter and Nate Reavers at the same time uh, quite a bit uh, the last time that they played and played Michigan, and then they got exposed. And from that game pretty much and on, uh, they changed the way that their lineup is. They had more – Tyler Wall and Aleem Ford playing that hybrid 3-4. Uh, a little bit smaller, uh, but more efficient on on both ends. Um, but that game, that game really, really exposed the two-big set. That game really explode, exposed the, the, uh, the uh, two bigs. I think now they're, they're going to be able to match up a lot better because now you have Aleem Ford and Wall, two guys who are basically – very similar to very similar size with livers and Wagner. Um, then they're going to go with Reavers or Potter on um, Dickinson or Custard or Johns, whoever is in. Um, going to need to be elite defensively. Trice is going to come at you. Uh, you know he can go go off for 
for uh, 20 plus on any given night. Uh, Brad Davison, uh, he hasn't been great as of late, uh, but at the same time, that's somebody who will look to post up guys like Mike Smith, uh, possibly Eli Brooks, um, which won't be great for endurance purposes. Um, Cause when you, whenever you're like, like down low and you're being physical, like that takes, that's like a different type of energy, like a different type of like energy, like exhaustion. Like it's, it's one thing for, I talked about this the other night. If you were in here, I was talking to Robbie Hummel about this, about how, you know, people don't understand that there's like two types of endurance, especially when it comes to basketball, there's your lungs you know, you're, you're getting up and down the court. You feel a slight burn, but you get your second wind. But you're good to go. Your, your legs are good. Everything is good. But uh, if you find yourself battling in, the, battling in the post, whether you're on offense or defense, and then you got to dive on the floor and there's a physical scrum, or you got to box someone out real, real hard, and then you got to work to to get that rebound. That's a different type of endurance. That's like your muscle endurance. Um, so I won't be surprised if they try to get Davison on the block against our guards, especially Mike Smith, because um, I I do see Brooks being on Trice quite a bit, quite a bit. I saw today that Michigan was a one was a one seed. They were number three overall. Ohio State was also, um, except they were forced. They were number four overall. That Ohio State team is really is really really good. If you haven't seen them play, um, if you like if if you like hate watch, like yeah, you're gonna hate. But um, but they've been very good this year. They have been very good this year, man. What time do they play? They play them in about eight days, it looks like. They play them in about eight days. I think that's uh I think that's next Sunday. Not tomorrow, but next Sunday. That's gonna be a be a big game. Getting Wisconsin and then fifteen sixteen and then on Thursday get Rutgers, then Sunday Ohio State. That is a that is an interesting Seven days right there. Interesting seven days right there. That's gonna make that is gonna make or break them uh winning a Big Ten championship, in my opinion. These next three games, which is you know, not the most ideal, but when you're coming off of uh when you're coming off of, you know, a a COVID shutdown, because that COVID shutdown happens late, it's also not ideal. Like if they had a had a COVID shutdown back in like I don't know like late December, early January, you can you can like plug these games in along the way, and you know you're going into you're you're going into tourney time um, a lot smoother, and you're going into tourney time without the rush of getting back, getting in shape, and no, you're like worried about getting back and you're worried about getting in shape. No, you're just hooping. 
and that's what they were doing. They were just hooping. They were they were playing well. I mean, you go from trouncing Wisconsin, losing at the barn, and then coming back to to uh, beat a Maryland team who has some good wins this year. Then you go to Purdue. Um, Mackey Arena is hard to win in, and they went there, and the game was pretty much never close. And then to have a shutdown before playing, I'm not going to call them gimmies, gimmies, but they, they, they were going to beat Indiana at home and they were going to beat Northwestern on the road. And then they go right into four games um, that are huge when it comes to the Big Ten standings. But it is what it is at this point. It is what it is at this point. Uh, Ben said, I think Davison did that the first possession of the game last, uh, last time against Smith and it didn't work out and they didn't go back to it. Yeah. So it's important to, um, you know, if they do go to it, like, like you have to, you have to stop it. Cause if you don't, they're going to come back to it every few minutes or so. And it's going to be hell. Uh, believe I have to go to. I'm not sure who else they played because I need to make this uh, make sure that uh, this this example makes complete sense. Alabama put up 112 points today, at least on Georgia. Good lord, where's the defense, my guy? Uh, let's see, Minnesota. All right, so Minnesota and Nebraska tried to get lawyer on the post. They didn't do well either time. I haven't seen a team try to post up lawyers since. And if they have, it didn't turn out well. That's what needs to happen with Mike Smith tomorrow. I think this is the best game to come back against against one of the better teams in the Big Ten. And the main reason is because Wisconsin doesn't play very fast. But I wonder if Greg Gard is going to tell Wisconsin play more up and down. We really test Michigan's legs out. But Wisconsin is always stuck in their ways. So who knows? Should be interesting either way. Do you guys know what the the, uh, spread is tomorrow? know what the spread is let me check odd shark quick I don't see anything right now The game is at what, 2.30 tomorrow? 2 o'clock? I was at 1 o'clock. Michigan, Wisconsin by one. Looks like Wisconsin by one right now. If, if they're not coming off of a break, 
I'd probably say that they'll have Michigan at like three and a half or four. Interesting. So we got Wisconsin by one, which is com- completely fair, in my opinion. Complete, completely fair. Do you see Juwan going deeper on the bench to keep guys fresh? Uh, yeah. Um, in the first half, it's going to be interesting. Uh, probably go like I won't be surprised if they go nine or ten guys deep in the first half. Play your starters: Mike uh, Brooks, Wagner, Livers, Dickinson, and you're going to play Johns, Custard. Shondi, Zeb, and T-Will. I will not be surprised if they go 9 to 10 deep. Just to keep guys fresh and ready to go for the second half. Sometimes that's all it is. It's just, you know, you know, keep it close. Let's get to the second half. You know, feel that burn. Feel the game. And then, hey, let's play. Let's play. I don't think hockey rotations... I don't think hockey rotations. I don't think so. Because that five and five shift would be wild. I don't think he'll do that. The game is on CBS, right? Is that the channel the game is on? Because I have to make sure that I can uh, make sure I can stream it if it's on there. But yeah, I mean, like, that's pretty much it. Like, there's not much to say right now because we don't know what we're going to look like tomorrow. But either way, I am going to be on Locker Room uh, directly after the game. And we'll, we'll talk about what we saw. We'll, we'll talk about what went right, what went wrong. Um, uh, things that may have changed from the last game and to this game. Uh, why they've changed. Uh, was it due to the shutdown or was it due to something else? I don't know. But either way, uh, we're going to have uh, more. We should have a lot of a lot of things being answered tomorrow um, that we're asking questions about today. So I do thank you guys for coming in. Uh, I did want to do a locker room today because I've been slacking on the contentials. So I'm always down to post content. Also, uh, I do have a breakdown uh, going down tomorrow night. I, I have a breakdown for tomorrow night. Not a Michigan State or Michigan prospect, but he does have Purdue and Illinois in the top eight. Um, so I have that being posted. Um, I have that being posted tomorrow night. A premiere per usual. So I'll be in there hanging out. But, but thanks, you guys, for coming through and listening. Um, and I'll see you probably tomorrow after the game. Okay, parachutes ready. Boy, the things I go through to get auto loan rates as low as 0.99% APR for 60 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.